Welcome to the Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali podcast, a place for real talk about what it takes to create a book. My name's David Allen Patali, and I'm going to give you a no-bullshit run-through of the tips, techniques, and insights that have shaped my writing practice and helped me create a novel I'm truly happy with. We write because it's hard, because we have to, because we need to, but you don't have to suffer needlessly for your art. With the right strategies, mindset, and community, you can get it done and enjoy the process. So let me take you on a ride where writing myths get exploded, excuses get torched, and the path gets lit just a bit brighter. You can get inspiration for your writing from anywhere, from a number of different places. It's not just about thinking up words when you're inspired by a piece of music or when you read something. Uh, that really strikes you or writing down your dreams. Inspiration, I think, really can come from anywhere. And when I was a, when I was a kid, my grandfather was uh, a diesel engineer. And the memories that I have around going into his diesel engineering workshop on Selby Street um, are just so deep inside my mind and my soul and, and dare I say it, my artistic practice that... I can't get away from it. And so for a long time, I kind of resisted it. But now I actually find I get a lot of deeper insight into my writing process from leaning into those things. So if you ever get the chance to come to the writing room that I'm recording this in, um, I actually have lots and lots of old pieces of machinery. So what you're hearing there is a sun gear. It's the sun gear from a governor. A governor is a thing that controls the strength of an engine. And I've also got posters of uh, schematics and detailed plans of all kinds of different machines that I just look at sometimes and my mind wanders and I start making connections and I get inspiration because as elusive as the artistic process can be and as strange as it can be it i think it's also governed for lack of a better term to circle back around by a lot of detail and a lot of structure that we ourselves bring to it so much like the creation of an engine or the creation of a house or the building of a road there is a certain formula and a certain path that you can follow and interpret and shape to make your own when it comes to making the story so for me when I'm coming up with story ideas or looking for how to make plots work or looking for how to make the structure of the story interweave, I look to my diagrams of engineering works and I look to my gears and I look to those things because these are all made by the human hand and eye, even if it's in modern times made with computer-aided design. This all comes from a process. Though we say that it's an engineering process, there is a certain artistry to it. People have, people have only in recent years really separated science and art, whereas science and art go together. Anyone who's read you know, Leonardo da Vinci's um, uh, diaries like I did a few years ago, which were um, really full of, full of all kinds of um, really interesting concepts that cross over. You know, William Blake was like this. A lot, a, lot of other, a lot of artists throughout history have looked to science. So I do that too. The point of this that I want to make is that if in addition to looking at... Uh, mechanical things I love planes specifically I love aeroplane engines so you can see where this is kind of going and the new work that I have been 
working on, the new book I've been working on, the structure of it, in a lot of ways, was really inspired by an aircraft engine. And I know this sounds really weird, but hear me out. Uh, because I wanted to talk to you today about stakes and raising the stakes. So this book is not exactly a thriller, but it kind of is. And I wanted to just keep it going and going and going and rising and rising and rising in tension and in action and intention and be unpredictable. So the thing that I looked at was the engine of the SR-71 Blackbird. You can look it up online. The Blackbird was one of the fastest military planes ever made. It was designed to fly very high and very fast for a very long period of time fly over enemy territory and take really high clarity photographs of all kinds of things that the bad guys didn't want want us in the free world to see, I suppose. Now, the SR-71 was really interesting because it was mostly made of titanium to keep it really light and to withstand the incredible heat and friction that that, that generated from the air going over the wing. It was also plain, painted completely black and because its tolerances were so loose because things tighten up things expand when they get hot, it would actually bleed fuel while it was sitting on the runway. They would just be, it would just be constantly bleeding fuel. But when it went up to altitude and got really hot, everything would just tighten up. Now, the amazing thing about this aircraft, in addition to having a pure quartz windshield, how badass is that? Because that's the only thing that could withstand the heat. A pure piece of quartz was the windshield. Um, they had to design these engines so that they would run very fast and very hot for a very long period of time without using up too much fuel. So the way they did that was they made these engines be like a two-in-one. So as a normal aeroplane, it would take off very similarly to what you would have in a passenger aircraft, and it would use normal jet propulsion to go up to about twice the speed of sound. So that's pretty fast, right? But this plane, they wanted it to go Mark III, even faster. There's still a lot of class there's still a lot of information classified about it and they wanted it to go fast for a long period of time so how do you do that without eating up all of your fuel well what would happen is the pilot would press a button and some flaps inside the engine would shut off the airflow to the to at least part of the airflow to the front of the engine and then at the back of the engine some doors would open and it would let air into the very back of the engine where all the flames were coming out and that air would then be mixed with the, uh, the flames and then get compressed and then all the compression would happen and it would rocket out the back like an absolutely massive afterburner. So think about what happens when you're sitting around a campfire and someone picks up you know, a, a wooden board and starts flapping it. You're adding air to it. So it becomes incredibly fast and incredibly efficient and it just goes and goes and goes. Now, geeky moment over, okay? I could go on about it for a while. The point of this thing is the faster this plane goes, the faster it goes. And that's exactly the kind of quality and characteristic that I wanted for my story. I wanted this thing not only to go fast, but just faster and faster and faster and faster till it's almost out of control and then until it is actually out of control. But how do you do that? Well, you do that by raising the stakes. So from the starting point of inspiration from an engine, I got the structure of my story, but then I came to the crux of the crux of the problem. How do I actually get this thing up to altitude, up to speed, and then how do I keep pushing it? Well, like I say, the answer is to raise the stakes. You've got to raise the stakes of the story. Now, often when we think about stories, we think of the climax. We think of the ultimate thing, the ultimate challenge that everybody is working toward, or the you know the big reveal, the 
uh, the twist, the turn, the breaking of the heart, the killing of the, the sacred deer, that there's something that's going to happen that everything is building slowly and steadily toward. And we build toward it with character and our themes and explorations of different things. But the thing is, we need lots of little turns along the way. We need lots of little bursts of speed. We need lots of little explosions along the way that are going to keep us involved and keep us reading, for lack of a better term. And the way we do that is we raise the stakes. So I think the primary reason that you would keep raising the stakes for yourself is as the writer is just so that you don't get bored. You, know, you can get bored with your own writing. It's happened to me on many occasions. And whenever I feel that boredom coming in, I know it's because I'm being predictable. It's because I'm going with my first instinct, or which is often to take the easy path. Um, we were talking about this in my writing group a little earlier, and that um, you know, how how do you get your character to have an interesting life? Well, they've got to have some things happen to them along the way, so the stakes need to be raised. So, the example I gave was: say there's a character who we know something bad is going to happen to them, and maybe halfway through the book. But you need to challenge them all the way up to that point so it can escalate. It can go from that they snap the heel of their high heels as they're rushing to catch the tube in the morning to get to their office in central London. And then they can spill their coffee on themselves. And then they can get bollocked by the office and somebody can stab them in the back in, a, in an office gossip thing. And then all these things can go wrong. You know, you see that it's a trope, certainly. You see this in basically every movie about anyone who's ever improved their lives. They just show you at their lowest end. But that is raising the stakes. Think about Jerry Maguire. You know, it's a, for the first three quarter. Well, first third of the movie, it's just, you know, Jerry going down and down and down and down and down. You know he's going to come back up, but that's why you keep watching. There's almost a pleasure in that. So I do think if you're ever bored in your story, it's not because your story is boring. It's probably because it lacks stakes. So you've got to raise them. You've got to find ways to challenge your character, to twist your story, to turn things, to make things difficult for yourself as a writer. One of the great pleasures of writing is planning it, having everything be a perfectly calibrated schematic of exactly how you're going to build your engine. But it's not until you actually get the thing out on the test track and light the sucker that you are going to encounter any problems. Those problems are interesting if you take the right attitude toward them. There's something that you can fix. Getting bored in your story is really an invitation to be creative. I was watching a thing a little earlier um, on my lunch break about the making of The Empire Strikes Back, which is the second, you probably know that, <laughs> the second movie in the original Star Wars trilogy. And they brought a new director in, a guy called Irvin Kirshner, who's a very well-respected dramatic um, uh, director. And he had a really, really key scene later in the movie where C-3PO, the robot, gets blown up. And they put him on Chewbacca's back and they needed to animate um, when they were filming, they needed C-3PO to be animated, so they spent a hundred thousand bucks on an animatronic thing, which on the very first day did not work. They tried to make it work, and it just didn't work. And it was like, cut! We're going to have to spend all that money again. But Kirshner says a guy from the prop department came up to him and said, "Give me twenty minutes, boss. Give me twenty minutes. I will. Uh, I'll sort this thing out." Kirshner comes back 20 minutes later and the guy goes, yeah, look, I've fixed it. And he said the little robot started moving, doing everything perfectly. And then he looked over and the prop guy had a fishing rod with a line attached to the robot. And all he was doing was dangling the fishing rod. Kirshner says, when things don't work, improvisation 
you can't be thrown by these things, you have to assume you can make it work. So I think that's a good attitude to have. If you get bored and you need to break your story or you need to do something different, lean into it. It's an opportunity to be creative. It doesn't mean that you suck as a storyteller. It doesn't mean that your plan's not going to work out. It just means chuck some stuff on the page and chuck some stuff at your character because this is also so that the reader doesn't get bored. Remember, this is a dance between writer and reader. In the first draft, you're telling yourself the story, but it's wise, I think, to at least have some consideration for who's going to be reading this. You know, how am I going to lure these guys in? How am I going to keep them around? Well, raise the stakes. Let us know uh, that you know you're, the person can be hurt, that they can even be killed, that there that there is reality to this, that there's loss, that there is consequences for the things going on here. Uh, one of the things I've always really enjoyed about the Harry Potter um, books is that, yeah, Harry Potter was the hero, but he never felt safe. It never felt safe, even right to the very end. There was always a chance that he would be maimed or killed or that the people that he loved would be destroyed and often and some of them actually were. So that's what kept you reading. If it, were, if it was just nerfed, it was just if it was just completely safe, you wouldn't keep reading. But there was always this tension that, that something was going to happen and something terrible could happen. That's what you want. You want your reader to be on their toes. So why else do we raise the stakes? Because it reveals character. It really does reveal character. I mean, to go back to the Star Wars thing, Carrie Fisher, um, who was Princess Leia, who was also a very noted script writer and a, screen, a script doctor, said something to the tune of, you know, nobody wants to read about healthy, happy people. We want to, and not to say we want to read about miserable people, but we want to read about imperfect people, people with imperfect lives and how they overcome these things. People who are one way and then become another. And this isn't just in the Western narrative. This is, you know, kind of a universal, universal story. We, we, we want to see people meet adversity and become better because of it. In a lot of ways, adversity is the story. But revealing character through raising the stakes is a really good thing. Locus Summer, my debut novel, is all about raising the stakes on Rowan, my protagonist. You know, he goes home. His mum doesn't want him there. He goes into the fields. The f- workers don't want him there. He tries to hook up again with his old flame, Alison. And though she kind of acquiesces to it, it's not the same. And she's in charge, and she wants him to know that. The stakes are always there. He, he feels that he's not contributing he feels that he's not part of this he wants to be he's trying his hardest he gets knocked back he fails over and over and over again he does silly things that you as the reader know that he shouldn't be doing and you're what you're reading it almost with one eye closed and then he does some really stupid things that almost get him killed until he finally sees the error of his ways and starts to learn and he starts to change and he starts to turn and at least be open to acting differently and that's the arc of the story, it's the arc of the stakes, and it builds and builds and builds and builds. And without those things, without raising those stakes, without those mistakes, it's essentially a 20-page story about a bloke who goes home, packs up the house, um, his dad dies, and then he goes home. You know, the, uh, the story itself, the scenario, the plot of most books is actually not all that interesting. It's the meandering that we do along with the characters that keeps us interested. And I think that's true with nonfiction, with biography, with anything. If someone was just to say, you know, we threw a party and it was a success, a success in their biography, I'd be like, great. 
did anything go wrong? Did anybody like burn the sausages or spill a drink or, you know, maybe did you order too much beer? Where's the humor here? Where's the anecdotes? That's what we want. And it's not to say that we just want to see people failing or, or, or live vicariously through another person's misfortune, but these are the things that make us human. They're the things that we can connect to. If you listen to you know any ABC program or, or you know anything on Talkback Radio, it's mostly just people calling up and going, yeah, I, I, I've had a similar thing happen to me too. And that's humans. That's most. That's what most conversations are. You know, yeah, I know what I know how you feel. It happened to me this time. This happened here. I oh, am yeah, me too. I know that. Da, 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 da. We're just comparing notes on on the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. So I think it's important to do that. So and there's a final thing. You can get inspiration from anywhere. If I got an entire work, an entire novel out of looking at a diagram of um, some jet engines, what do you like? What's your geeky thing? What is the thing that really drives you? What's the thing that's right there in front of you? It never has to be revealed or shared. You know, I'm only talking about this in the podcast. You know, it's not going to be in the in the, in the book at all. It's not going to be in the liner notes. I won't even tell you some of the stuff that inspired Locust Summer. It's almost like a strange vocabulary, a very personal vocabulary that we as writers all have. So what are you going to do? And they say, write what you know. Well, that's what you know. So in conclusion, (laughs) raise the stakes, but look around you at the things that you're into because that will also give you a clue for what you can do and how you can structure it. If you would like me to talk about anything in particular on next week's episode of the podcast, I would love to because uh, I've got a lot of events coming up. I'm speaking to Holden Shepherd uh, at Success Library uh, this Thursday, um, and maybe I'll talk about that. And um, his book launch is coming up. He's a fantastic YA author. His new book, The Brink, is just coming out, and it's it's a really really amazing read. It's absolutely foot to the floor. I can't really put it down, which is good. Um, so we could talk about that, how to interview other people, anything you would like me to, to rabbit on about, I absolutely will just get in touch. And as always, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope your writing is going as well as possible. I'm about to enter a new editing phase of my work in progress and we'll see how that goes. I hope you're getting some work done and finding the time and space that we all need to write. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali. If you loved what you heard, hit the subscribe button. You can follow me on socials at David Allen Patali. Don't forget, this podcast is about writing your novel. So make sure you drop any of your questions into the link in the show notes, and I'll make sure I answer it on the show. Until next time, happy writing.